All right, so Matt, I, I figured this out the other day, and, and I thought you would be very interested in this. Now, as you know, ravens are like one of my favorite animals ever. I, they're like my spirit animal. They've spoken to me at the zoo and all that stuff. But I figured out that ravens have 17 pinion feathers. That's the main feathers on their wings. Well, okay. crows only have 16 so the difference in ravens and crows is a matter of opinion. <laughs> Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now... Pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. <laughs> All right, everybody. Here we are again. Matt, how you doing tonight, brother? Man, I'm doing all right. Good. I, uh, it's, it's good. Um, it's good to be back and ready to roll. We've uh, we've done some updating mm -hmm. and we're we're here we're back and and it feels good. Yep, we have um, Matt and I haven't got to record in a while. Y'all haven't noticed anything um, due to us and our, our recording schedule and everything. But Matt and I are now pushing it to the very last minute that we can to get this episode out for you guys because we've had some issues. Um, yeah. So we're recording on a different day, hence why I'm wearing my. Dallas Cowboys hat because it's game Actually, day. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, well, are we gonna mention that you're wearing the Cowboys hat? We don't, we don't normally record on a Sunday, right? So. Right. So this is this is my uh, Sunday hat because the Cowboys are playing. Um, sometimes it's my Thursday hat, sometimes it's my Monday night hat, but you know what I mean. Um, this is my game day hat. So um, the video will look a little different <laughs> for you guys. I don't have my American <laughs> flag hat on today. I've got my cowboys hat um but real quick we wanted to say go check out the podbelly network at podbelly.com you can find a list of shows that we're happy to be associated with that you may not find elsewhere um all members of the podbelly network um go over there podbelly.com find you another show that you i promise you're going to enjoy and you can also yeah. find some different tricks and tips on recording and setting up for a podcast if you're interested in doing that um, we also want to thank tonight's sponsors HelloFresh and every plate and we'll talk about both of them more um throughout the episode now matt i'm not going to ramble a whole lot in the intro here because well thank god i know right <laughs> <laughs> miracles do happen um but uh but uh, we we do have kind of a, a long show with experiences coming up so oh yeah we can go ahead and get into that so matt why don't you tell us what are we talking about tonight brother so tonight we uh i i found this place i i kind of came across it um pitched it to adam and we said okay yeah let, let's go for it and he said, just let me know if you're having trouble finding enough stories about the paranormal activity that goes on. Well, I had no trouble at all. <laughs> that weren't no but, problem, as they say. <laughs> uh, this place is, there's some, there's some 
serious activity going on. Um, and none of it really seems to be all that bad. Um, but it's just, it's a lot. And, and it was pretty impressive. And if you're wondering where I'm talking about, we're, we're going down, um, in Adam's neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about the Driscoll Hotel in Austin, Texas. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I, I was I was shocked to find as many stories as I did. Um, I was you, shocked you, you normally, did too, yeah. You normally don't see that, even for places like haunted hotels, you normally don't get just story after story after story. Um and they're good. I mean, it's a good story. There's some history behind it. Um, you know, an old hotel. It's got a lot of interesting history outside of the paranormal activity. So, Adam, why don't you take us on into the history of the Driscoll Hotel? All right. I can do that. Now, as we always say, go check our sources down at the bottom of the show notes. You can find where we found the information and you can continue the research because Yes, there is a lot of interesting history, but I'm not going to be able to cover it all. So I have left some out. I've gotten the important stuff, but I have left some out in order for there to be more room for all of these experiences that Matt found, because that's really interesting, too. Um, So Uh go down there, bottom of the show notes and check our sources. Now, the Driscoll Hotel, like Matt said, is in Austin, Texas. And it's located at 604 Brazos Street. So if you're in Austin, you can go check it out, 604 Brazos Street. Um, Or if you're taking a trip to Austin at some point, go down there and check out the Driscoll Hotel. Now, the Driscoll Hotel has been called a historic landmark of Texas luxury and hospitality. So it's a pretty fancy hotel there. Um, it's also a really haunted one, like Matt was saying, but it's also a pretty luxurious one as well. Um, now currently, and and we'll talk about when it was originally built, but currently the Driscoll has 189 fancied up guest rooms. So fancied up is my own term. They didn't say that, but, um, they, they have 189 rooms that are, pretty luxurious that you can go stay in. And they also have three stately restaurants and bars. So that's quite a bit for one hotel to have three restaurants and bars in it. Now the Driscoll hotel was completed in 1886, which makes it the oldest operating hotel in Austin, Texas. And like I said, it's also been said that, it's Austin's most haunted location, which is pretty fascinating. In fact, it says that it's one of the most haunted locations in Texas. Yeah. Um, not not just Austin, um, but in the entire state. That's a, that's a lot of state. It sure to, is. Uh, to even be considered to be the most haunted. Right. Right. And, you know, that that quote, most haunted thing. We've talked about that before. It's a fluctuating scale. It's a, it's a marketing thing. Yeah, that that's, that's very true. Um, I mean, let's face it, it. It really is. But when you've got a lot of activity 
you're you're gonna show up on some of these lists. Oh yeah, and I, I think the places that celebrate it benefit from it. Absolutely, um, there are some Texas locations that we haven't talked about yet, but may try to. Um, that they are super haunted, but if you go and ask them, they don't want to talk about it. They're like, oh no, you're not thinking of us. You're thinking of the one up the road or something like that, which is really weird to me because especially nowadays, like Matt said, if you promote that you're haunted, you're Mm -hmm. bound to get more, uh, tourism and guests stay at the hotel because you're going to have the regular guests and then you're going to have the weirdos like me and my family that show up because it's haunted and we want to stay there because it's haunted so um they they do they they promote the fact that it's haunted um now i haven't been there to be able to talk to them about it like i have other places but there does seem to be a lot of information out there so Uh, The Driscoll Hotel was conceived of and built by a local cattleman by the name of Colonel Jesse Driscoll. Now, Jesse Driscoll had a ton of money at the time, Um, flush with cash, as they would say. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, he he was flush with dinero. Um, Now, being a cattleman, he supplied beef to the Confederate Army throughout the entire Civil War. So. Obviously, if you're the only person supplying beef to the Confederate Army during the Civil War, you're going to get some money. So that's yeah. how he made kept up his fortune, basically. But his idea was to build the, quote, finest hotel south of St. Louis. So at the time, there wasn't too many fancy hotels south of St. Louis. So he decided, I'm going to build one. So let's look at Colonel Jesse Driscoll really quick before we get into the rest of it here. Now, um, Driscoll was born on November 4th, 1824 in White County, Tennessee. I don't know if you knew that, hey, Matt. what about that? Yeah. No, I, I didn't realize that. Yep. He's a, he's a Tennessean by birth. So he, uh, all you got to do to be like him is now move to Texas and become a Texan, and then you'll be like Jesse Driscoll, Matt. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to get Matt to live here in Texas. That's all. <laughs> it would it, look, you know, with with Amanda, it wouldn't it wouldn't take a whole lot of convincing. Yeah, I didn't think it would. She'd be happy to move <laughs> back home. So um, now he is a descendant of the Driscoll family. So it uh, the O Driscoll family. So O D R I S C O L L. Now, the way the hotel and his name is spelt is D-R-I-S-K-I-L-L. So it's Driscoll, not Theodriscolls or however. I don't know. That was a bad <laughs> accent. Um, but he's a descendant of the O'Driscoll family that was originally of County Cork, Ireland. So his family came over, moved to Tennessee, and he was born a Tennessean. Now, six Driscoll brothers came to America in 1775 and settled in Virginia. And at the age of 23, Jesse Driscoll moved to uh, Berry County, Missouri, where he married Nancy Elizabeth Jane Day, originally from Columbus, Georgia, on September 5th, 1847. Now, the couple lived in Missouri for four years and then moved to Bastrop, Texas. Now, Driscoll went into the merchandising business, moving first to San Antonio, 
later to San Marcos and to Bryan, Texas. And in 1857, he entered the cattle business. And for three years during the Civil War, he furnished beef to the Confederate Army and the Texas Rangers. So quite a lucrative um, job opportunity there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, Driscoll was paid for his efforts in Confederate dollars, which by the end of the war, with <laughs> no cattle and no money now, he had gone broke. Right. Yeah. So those Confederate dollars didn't go very far. No, they, they didn't do crap after that war. So he began, though, to rebuild his herds after all that. Now, in the early days of the Chisholm Trail, Driscoll could be found driving cattle north, uh, to northern markets with his brother-in-law, William H. Day. Now, Driscoll was said to have been an adventurous drover and, fearless, and a fearless ranchman. And through persistence, he became successful once again uh, in, you know, what they consider the early southwestern cattle trade. So he had a lot of money went broke because he decided he was going to have Confederate dollars instead of, you know, actual mm. money. Um, <laughs> it's like having a Canadian quarter rolling around in your pocket. Yeah, exactly. You go to spend it and you're like, oh, no, that's 23 cents. Ah, crap. I, I was when I was a kid, I had one that my dad had given me. Oh, really? I wasn't I wasn't intending on spending it but I accidentally stuck it in a change machine at an arcade Mm -hmm. and it was the arcade that we went to all the time. And I came back and, and there was one of those, you know, those little labelers where you punch, yeah, punch the letters in right over the coin slot. No Canadian quarters. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm the reason for that one. (laughs) So so Driscoll's the reason is like, we don't accept Confederate dollars. Yeah. Right. Right. (laughs) No, you cannot buy milk with Confederate dollars. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Now, business fell off sharply after 1871 uh, when permanent residents of Abilene, Kansas, the destination of many trail drives, became fed up with the cattle trade and the Wranglers. So in that year, Driscoll moved his wife, four daughters and two sons to Austin, uh, which was the westernmost metropolis in the state at the time. Um, he also continued on in the cattle trade, establishing ranches in South Texas, Kansas, and the Dakota territories. So he was a persistent cattleman. He yeah he lost a lot several times, but he kept coming back. Now in 1884, Driscoll purchased land in downtown Austin for seven thousand five hundred dollars and announced plans for a new hotel. Now Austin. At the time of opening the hotel was a, quote, frontier town. Well, by 1880, Austin was becoming an actual city, um, not just this, you know, stop on a cattle drive or going right. to and from places. It became an actual city. And the Capitol building wasn't completed there in Austin until 1888. And at the time, it was advertised as the seventh largest building in the world. So I couldn't verify wow. whether it was or not, but that's how it was advertised was the seventh largest building in the world. So, I mean, I know people lie in advertising, but that still seems pretty impressive if it's anywhere close to that. I I, I know that it just it's it, it's unexpected. 
I guess that's the best way. It's it, it's not something that you were you were thinking about when you, you looked at the Driscoll, right? It it would be considered that, but you know they weren't building very tall structures around that time. So no, no, they weren't. Um, now in September of 1881, the Austin City Public Schools admitted their first classes. Um, in that same year, uh, the Tillotson Collegiate and Normal Institute, predecessor of Houston Tillotson College, opened its doors. Now, efforts to place the new University of Texas in Austin, you know, UT Austin, Hook'em Horns, um, they faced some opposition because of wanting to put it in Austin. Because parents at the time were warned that sending their sons to school so close to lawmakers would be a terrible influence on their morals. <laughs> okay. Which I'm I'm not going to either confirm nor deny that that might be the case. <laughs> I'm just going to let you make your own opinions. <laughs> That's right. Now, Jesse Driscoll built the Driscoll Hotel. So he bought the land for 7500 but he built the hotel for a cost of $400,000 at the time. So that was a lot of money at the time. I mean, it's a lot of money now, but if you think back then in 1880s, 1890s, that was a lot of money. Now it was built in what they considered the Romanesque style by an architectural firm in the area called Jasper N. Preston and son. Now this next part, comes from hospitality net and you can find their link down in the show notes but it says the original building was constructed with over six million pressed bricks and white limestone accents the building contains two porticos on the southern and eastern facades which contain large richardsonian style arches that were reputed to be the largest arches in texas again we're talking about something being the largest in whatever you know, everything's bigger in Texas. Even the fabrications of size are larger in Texas as well. So, but they may have been the largest Richardsonian style arches in Texas. Yeah. Now, the facade contains three limestone busts of Driscoll and his sons J.W. Bud Driscoll facing Brazos Street, A.W. Toby Driscoll facing an alley on the west side, and Jesse Driscoll facing 6th Street, whose bust is surrounded by decorative carvings, including longhorns on the gable ends. Now, how would you like to be A.W. Toby Driscoll facing an alley? <laughs> well, you, you know, you got to look somewhere. I, yeah, I guess. And <laughs> at least you're on the facade, you know, but... right. You, right. you got to be thinking, all right, so dad and my brother got two major roads. They've got me basically sitting with my nose in the corner here. What did I do? I still got on the so, building, but I'm facing an alley. Somebody's got to do it. That's it. So it just, you know, yeah. he drew the short straw, I guess. There's only so many walls. And if you're going to get on one, <laughs> hell, I would take up my bust on a wall facing an alley. I could still get pictures yeah, of it and say, hey, look, I'm on a wall. <laughs> so if anybody wants to carve a bust of me on a wall, please do send me a picture. I'm not <laughs> conceited or vain at all. So 
Now, the hotel opened with 60 rooms. So if you remember, they had uh, 139 rooms now. They opened with 60 rooms, including 12 corner rooms with attached baths, which was a rare feature in hotels of the region at the time. So you can actually take a private bath instead of having to go shower in a horse trough. Um, so, I mean, that's something worth staying yeah. at the Driscoll. Yeah. Now, at the center of the hotel was a four-story open rotunda capped with a domed skylight, which functioned as a flue to suck up the hot air and cool the building. Now, the skylight was removed when air conditioning was installed on the roof in 1950. So that part is not there, but that's how it was built in order to circulate air, basically, and keep it from be, you know, being 140 degrees in there like Texas right. is apt to be. So I, I'm kind of impressed that they, they built a skylight. I mean, mm-hmm. that's not something that I think you would typically see in architecture of the time. Yeah. It, so it was maybe a little avant-garde for for this area, especially being considered a frontier town. Right, right. Yeah. It, especially considering the area and the late 1800s, it wasn't a very popular choice. Um, I know we've talked about one other one, I think, that did the same thing, but that's all I can remember us talking about that had basically a skylight in the building. Mm -hmm. So this goes on to say that the building was designed for separate entrances for men and women. So two entrances, one on sixth street and another facing the alleyway on the West side of the building. Um, It was reserved for men and were flanked by a saloon billiard, um, a billiard room and a cigar shop. Um, it had a newsstand and a barber shop featuring baths. Now, the women's entrance on the Brazos Street side allowed the female guests to proceed directly to their rooms, and ha- you know that way they could avoid the cigar smoke and rough talk of the cattlemen in the lobby. So, oh yeah, well that it's it was actually a courtesy i thought yep. at first it was some kind of slight but no it, it was actually a courtesy yeah that's exactly my thought process when i started researching this and i saw that i said wait a minute you mean to tell me they were trying to you know like they let the men come in here but we want to get the women in the back area well actually the men came in the back alleyway side and had billiard room cigar shop barber shop all that and so you had all these cattlemen in there who they felt were rough, gruff people, um, right. cussed a whole lot, used slang terms like scallywag and stuff like that. And they didn't want <laughs> they didn't want the the women to have to see that and be, I guess, sullied by that. So sure. they said, we're going to create your own thing so you can come in this way and not have to deal with these jerk cattlemen, which I I thought that that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now the second floor contained the main dining room and ballroom, separate parlors for men and women and a children's dining room and bridal suites. So keep the, the women and children away from these gruff (laughs) cattlemen still, because you're like, look, you know, if you don't want to eat with these guys, you've got your own room. So, yeah. 
Now, other embellishments included an electric bell system, marble bureaus, steam heating, and gas lighting. So it was it was pretty upscale and fancy for the time. And they have continued that to this day because if you go look at it, go stay there, go look up pictures, it's still a really fancy hotel. Mm-hmm. It's not so fancy that you wouldn't be able to afford to stay there, but everything is very nice and well-kept and they've got a lot of amenities. So um, yeah. I, I, I just thought it was neat that it started out being so, I guess, opulent for the time. Right. Yeah. Opulent is a good word for it. And when you look at old photographs of the Driscoll, you can really tell that it, they, they went all out yeah, um, to make this place very luxurious and, and opulent as Adam said, heck you could get a bath in your room. So that's right. That's right. I mean, and this was at a time where a, a bath was, Somewhat of a luxury. Mm-hmm. You know, guys were out, you know, working, um, covered in dust and dirt and God knows what else. Cow and poop, probably. Th- yeah. And, and they may, you know, they may not bathe, but once every couple of weeks. And that's if they were fortunate. That, so that was that's probably another good reason to keep the women away from those guys. <laughs> they probably stunk. Yeah, I would imagine. I would imagine they did. And of course, they sat down drinking whiskey and smoking cigars and shooting pool. So <laughs> sounds like a good time to me. But you know, I'm I'm a stinky dude anyway. So you know, yeah. But it's interesting as we talk about the Driscoll. We're we're talking about. You know, the character that Jesse Driscoll was and how he went about putting his money into this hotel. And we haven't really talked about murders or some horrific tragedy that's happened there. So at this point, you're thinking, why is this place haunted? Right. And not only that, why is it as haunted as it is? Yeah, yeah right. There's so many, so many spirits uh, that have been assigned either names or they have some kind of connection with a living person that they can pinpoint the haunting to. Just like like this first one. This first one is Miss Bridges. Now, nighttime visitors to the hotel might encounter an apparition of Mrs. Bridges, who was a hotel employee that allegedly worked at the front desk for several years in the early 1900s. Now, she was a good hospitality employee. So she was very dedicated to her job and she was very consistent. And Mrs. Bridges apparently took her work at the Driscoll so seriously that visitors still sometimes catch a glimpse of her walking from the vault out into the middle of the lobby uh, where the uh, the original front desk was, dressed in a Victorian-style dress. I mean, her appearance is often associated with the smell of roses, which just happened to be Mrs. Bridges' favorite flower. 
and um, she always seemed to fuss over the places where flower arrangements would have been located back in her day. So anywhere where a, a large flower arrangement would have been or they would have had fresh flowers, Mrs. Bridges' spirit has been seen there. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you know? I like that because that's uh, it's not... It's not spooky. It's not, you know, oh, I'm going to get killed by this spirit or they don't want me here. This is a lady who really cared about the hotel and really cared about the way it looked and keeping it running. And she still cares about it enough to this day to keep doing That's it right. or keep That's trying right. to do it. Yeah. Now, this next one has often been seen as a full bodied apparition which is pretty rare. In the early 20th century, a man named Peter Lawless worked as a ticket agent for the Great Northern Railroad. When his wife died, he decided that he was going to move into the Driscoll to live out his days. He set up shop on the fifth floor of the hotel and lived there for 31 years. Oh, wow. 31 years he lived in, in the Driscoll Hotel. It's a long time to just, I'm just, I'm just going to live here. Yeah, no joke. You know, puts a, puts a whole new spin on the extended stay hotel. <laughs> <you know? Yeah. laughs> 31 years. All right. It's a forever stay hotel. <laughs> now, literally, okay. Visitors will often witness Mr. Lawless exiting the elevator while glancing at his watch or it, it says at the time. So I'm assuming a pocket watch. Probably, yeah. Now, he'll give a single nod to the staff at the front desk, and his full-body apparition will dissipate from sight. And employees even claim to see his spirit while they do housekeeping. They report a tingling sensation, only to look up and find an older gentleman watching them. Hmm. They say that he has black hair and wears dark pants, a white shirt, Oh, and a pocket watch. Huh. There you go. Then they witnessed Peter Lawless's ghost vanish right before their eyes. So he just kind of looks over. You know, he's he's interested. Um, but that's that tingling sensation. I think that's the that's the same that's the same kind of sensation you get when someone's in the room with you and you don't know it. Yeah. Like you've just become aware that there is another consciousness present. You ever done that? Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I do it at night, you know, especially when I'm kind of asleep, maybe not in a deep sleep. And I get this little, if you roll over and look up, you're going to see somebody. Mm -hmm. And, and depending on how, how tired I am, sometimes I'm kind of like, I don't want to look over. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, nine times out of 10, it's one of our kids. But even if you don't hear them, you get that, that feeling of their presence. Mm -hmm. You ever wake up at night and, and without reaching over to her side of the bed, realize that Ashley's not there? Oh, yeah. She's gotten up, gone to the kitchen or something? Yep. Yeah, it happens to me. I I will lay there and and not even look, and I'll be able to tell I'm alone in this room. 
Yeah. And then I'll, I can reach over and totally confirm it. I even do that thing where occasionally I will wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, okay, in a minute, Michael is going to come in the room. And sure enough, 30 seconds, a minute later, I hear his door close very quietly like he's trying to tiptoe, you know, and he'll come tiptoeing down the hallway and then come in the room. Don't know why I woke up knowing that he was going to come in, but mm-hmm. I, I think you get that, like you said, uh, either there's somebody in the room or there's somebody thinking about coming in here, something like that. So you do get mm-hmm. that kind of yeah. uh, full body, like uh, electricity thing. Yeah. All right, Adam, let's take a minute and talk about one of our longtime sponsors, HelloFresh. Now, if you haven't heard of HelloFresh, where you been, man? No kidding. I mean, it's fantastic. How have you not heard about it? But if you haven't, HelloFresh is a meal delivery service where you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipe delivered right to your door. You can skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. And I know my kids get super excited when they come home and they see that HelloFresh box sitting on the porch. Oh, yeah. Because they know, they know, hey, not only is tonight's dinner going to be great, we're going to get to help. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it's, it's just phenomenal and i you know right now i've got we've got school we've got softball we've got workouts all this stuff we we just we're we're hardly at home and so running to the grocery store and all that is and even having the time to prep a meal is just it's not there so hello fresh makes our hectic fall weeknights a little bit easier definitely more delicious now they're quick and easy meals including 20 minute meals low prep easy cleanup options take the stress out of meal time with time saving no fuss recipes ready in a snap and now you can enjoy the freshest fall flavor every HelloFresh recipe includes ripe just picked produce that travels from the farm to your door in less than a week it's amazing. I, I know. It, it's incredible. I, I I love how they do that. They get it to you so quick. It's quicker than a grocery store, honestly. Oh, yeah. Um, and fall is a perfect time to cozy up with some delicious sweets. So you can get the whole family involved with HelloFresh's limited edition kid-friendly baking kits, which is just awesome because Michael is the same way as your kids, where he gets excited when HelloFresh is here, and we let him help. We let him mix the stuff and all that and it's really cool to me that they now have the kid-friendly baking kit so we can teach him to bake as well and he can get involved with that and HelloFresh isn't just for dinners you know you're thinking well maybe I don't want to do dinners with HelloFresh well you can shop HelloFresh market for quick breakfast wholesome snacks and even desserts you'll find everything you need to satisfy your cravings without stepping foot in the grocery store or mini mart which like Matt said, that just gets more and more hectic. With the more hectic your schedule is, the more hectic going to the grocery store is. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get on board uh, the HelloFresh train like Matt and I and our families, 
then all you need to do is go to HelloFresh.com slash Graveyard65 and use our code Graveyard65, that's G-R-A-V-E-Y-A-R-D-6-5, and you'll get 65% off plus free shipping. Yeah, all you got to do is go to HelloFresh.com slash Graveyard65 and use our code Graveyard65, that's G-R-A-V-E-Y-A-R-D-6-5 to get 65% off plus free shipping. So this seems somewhat intelligent, but it it's it's curious to note that some people that have reported seeing Peter Lawless's spirit have actually seen it leave the hotel right before it goes out to the to the edge of the road like it's waiting on a bus. Huh. So maybe maybe he's trying to to get out of town. <laughs> Who knows, but it's uh it's a little strange because we don't we don't see that very you don't see a spirit leave the place they're haunting right or even make an attempt so that part of it makes me think maybe more stone tape and less intelligent haunting maybe it's a bit of both could be yeah yeah now one thing i did find about the land that the driscoll is built on um back before 6th street existed that part of the state belonged to Native American tribes that inhabited that region. According to local legend, one of the most culturally essential springs sat where you find 6th and Brazo Street today. Hmm. Okay? Now, much like, the, uh, much like the spring that the Driscoll was erected on, this artesian well was considered hallowed ground. Okay. Now, the Apache, the Takawas, and the Comanche all treated this well as one of the most sacred places within their respective cultures. Each believed that the water had the ability to contain both willing and unwilling spirits. That's so they had an idea that there was some negative energy around this hallowed ground this you know it it was they respected it right and then they built a hotel on it (laughs) yeah of course now sixth and brazos functioned as the apex of all the various streams that ran through this part of central texas now this may explain the number of hauntings that the driscoll has this would be something of a paranormal perfect storm. Right. Uh, you know, Adam and I have discussed um, how underwater springs and wells can serve as, as a charger for paranormal energy. And you add that to the Native American belief that this was hallowed ground where spirits dwelled, it really may fuel the fire of the reported activity in the Driscoll. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, a high possibility. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, the the only other thing I could think of was be do, do ley lines go through that area. <laughs> yeah. I mean, then then it's like all bets are off. I'm surprised you, you, you can't pass into another dimension when you check into your room. Yeah, right. Maybe you do. <laughs> I mean, these 
oh, these rooms adjoin, you know, and then, <laughs> where the hell am I? Yeah, I'm, I'm in 1889. That's weird. <laughs> now, there is one room in particular that seems to be consistently active, and that's room 525. According to legend, a jilted bride took her own life in room 525 after her fiance called off the wedding. How many times have we heard this when it comes to a hotel? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a common, a common story historically to explain the spirit of, of, of a very, I'm a, if, if not dressed like a bride, certainly um, a younger woman that would give the appearance, you know, that, that she was, all dressed up. Right. Now, visitors have reported seeing the apparition of a woman in Victorian dress mournfully roaming the halls near room 525. But it doesn't stop there. Okay. <laughs> the next one, I, you're going to hear me say that a lot. The next <laughs> one. Okay. Is this one is, is typically known as the Senator's daughter. Okay. Guests of the Driscoll frequently report a young female poltergeist that runs along the grand staircase of the mezzanine. Now, according to local legend, this female apparition is a senator's daughter. Now, the story all begins back in 1887 when the Driscoll was hosting a special function for that year's legislative session. Since the Texas state capitol was still under construction, the Senate opted to hold their session at the Driscoll instead. Hmm. Well, it's, you know, one of the, the nicest place around. Why not? Sure. During the event, the senator, reportedly U.S. Senator Temple Lee Houston, handed his daughter Samantha a ball to distract her while he handled business. Now, with her ball, this little girl skipped over to the staircase and was bouncing the ball up and down when it went sailing out of her grasp. Now, as she reached to grab it, she tumbled down the steps herself. Oh, geez. Some believe, some believe that the little girl died from a broken neck at the base of the stairs. But there's not a lot of documented evidence for that. Right. Her spirit is seen throughout the hotel. But she's most often spotted near a fifth floor portrait. Now, the portrait is a modern replication by uh, artist Richard King of a much older painting by Charles Trevor Garland. The original painting was entitled Love Letters, and it shows a little girl holding a bouquet of flowers in one hand and a letter in the other. It, it's kind of weird here because a lot of people want to associate the the spirit of Samantha to the little girl in the painting. Right. But you got to remember, this is a recreation of a much older piece of art. So the history of that particular portrait doesn't match up with anything regarding the history of the little girl's spirit. Yeah, it's just one of those um, things that we've talked about before where people will take 
something and associate it with something else to try to make it make sense. Right. Right. It seems logical, though, wouldn't you? I mean, if you're looking at this portrait of a little girl and there's a a spirit of a little girl, you would think they're connected. Not not necessarily. But the painting itself, it has some oddities about it. It said that some visitors claim to have stared at the little girl in the painting and seen her expression change. Others will say they begin to feel ill while looking at the painting, or they have a strange sensation that they're being levitated. Oh, weird. Some guy like levitated. What? I can imagine what the sensation of being levitated would be, but I don't know that I would have it if I wasn't actually being levitated, which is kind of weird, but that whole, the picture changes facial expressions. We we've seen things like that before. Mm -hmm. Um, Still, still weird, but still very weird, very weird. And a lot of people apparently have come across this. And I wonder if though the the facial expression thing you ever stared at something for a long time and it seems like it moves, mm-hmm. um, you know I, I think it's a trick of your eyes and your brain, um, but I haven't seen this so I can't say for sure, but I I know that there's little optical tricks that w- will happen, yeah, if, if you really stare at something. And maybe that's what that part of it is. But it normally you don't feel like you're being levitated. No. <laughs> I, I don't get that sensation often. That's no, true. Yeah. Now, the skeptics, of course, will harp on this uh, aspect that the history doesn't jive with the haunting stories. The girl depicted in the painting is not Samantha Houston herself. And... Like I said, the the painting is a modern version of an older work. So two facts that some would say uh, distract from any verification of the haunting. But if you look at them as two separate things, then you don't have to deal with all that. Right. Which I, I think that's exactly how how it should be viewed. But like I said, no evidence to tie the spirit to the picture. Yet the paranormal disturbances repeatedly occur near the painting. Now, the friendly spirit of Samantha is also known to play with children in their rooms or in the hallways. When parents ask their child uh, who they were playing with, the response is almost always Samantha. That's just creepy. I'm sorry. That's just <laughs> Adam in the in the in the child ghost i, I love it i know it's just I, ugh, I don't like it creepy but you know the fact that she would interact with children as a spirit that seems perfectly logical mm-hmm. i mean it we, does we've seen a lot of of cases of hauntings where a child ghost will tug on an adult's shirt um or or will roll a ball back and forth those kind of things but when presented with other children, you know, a spirit of a child is going to just gravitate toward yep. other kids. Yep, that's true. And I mean, it's because kids not only are more along their lines, what they 
feel like they could interact with, but kids are known to see spirits more and be able to pick up on the sensation of spirit activity more. Right. Right. And, you know, you heard it here first, folks. If you if you're going to a haunted place that's got a child spirit, take your kids with you. That'll Sure, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just don't tell them. Yeah, right. Okay? Right. Just see what happens. You know, it's, it's not so much that they'll get scared. If they're like my kids, you'll get 9,000 questions about it. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> and some uh, some kids will make it up just to say they had some experience. So don't tell them and just see what so, happens. Yeah, don't tell them. Don't tell them. You know, then when it's all over, then you can let them listen to this show. Right. Now, let's talk a little bit about Jesse Driscoll. Uh, like I said, he was kind of a character. Um and was, you know, had more money than he knew what to do with at one time. But his spirit is also said to haunt the hotel. Of course it is. Oh, yeah. Now, shortly after the hotel opened up, you know, Jesse came under these financial hardships, which says the article, I say, that's code for he blew his earnings on booze, women, and gambling. <laughs> um you know, I many many a man has done the same, Jesse. So it, mm-hmm. don't don't fret too much. But Jesse had no choice but to forfeit the ownership of the Driscoll, essentially right after it opened up. And it is said that a game of cards is what did him in. Said Jesse lost the deed at the poker table. By that point. He was a mess and was up to his eyeballs in debt, so he might as well just stick around. Um, but this is this is one of the best stories uh, about the hotel. Um, so this is this is a quote uh, from uh, I think a staff member uh, at the Driscoll. It says. One of my most favorite stories is one of the few sightings we've had of Colonel Driscoll. One of his favorite rooms in the Driscoll overlooks 6th Street and Brazos. And there was a consultant in town who woke up one night to see a gentleman standing in his room, looking out the window at about 3 o'clock in the morning. And he was puffing on a cigar, which Jesse Driscoll was known to do. He said he sat up in bed. Hey, fella, what the hell are you doing in my room? Uh, He said the guy looked at him and gave him this look like, your room? (laughs) But he did not speak. The consultant leaned over and snapped on the light by the bed, and when the light came on, there was no one standing at the window. But the curtains were still swaying, and there was a cloud of cigar smoke in the air. That's kind of cool. I like that. Yeah, that's kind of cool. And even though the Driscoll is a non-smoking hotel, many will still report catching the scent of a cigar. Hmm. On, on one occasion, a security guard was working overtime when he smelled the strong odor of a cigar. He leaned over the balcony to see if he could catch somebody smoking, and he heard a male voice behind him say, Got a match? And he said he whipped around to find that he was absolutely alone. Oh, wow. (laughs) Rumor has it that that security guard was so disturbed that he actually quit. 
<laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, you smell smoke, you're looking around, and then you hear a disembodied voice. I mean, yeah, that that would do it for me, too, especially if I was a, a nighttime guard and I was wandering around that hotel at night by myself. Right. Yeah. Right. I don't want to hear anything talk to me. <laughs> Y'all are like, man, Matt is a big chicken. You know? <laughs> it's not that. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a chicken. But when something like that happens, it just, it's unnerving. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, the disembodied voice, I think, would be probably one of the freakiest things to encounter. Just something speaking to you out of nowhere and there's nobody around. That's right. And it's one thing to just hear a disembodied voice, um, you know, like, sounds of a conversation or somebody crying or anything like that. It's another one to have an actual statement directed at you. Right. Right. <laughs> but it's, it's not hundred percent clear if the cigar smoke is due to the spirit of Jesse Driscoll, but whoever it may be seems to have a thing for female musicians. Okay. Annie Lennox. Do you, you remember Annie Lennox mm -hmm. from yeah. the Eurythmics? Okay. Now, she claimed that a spirit selected her stage outfit while she was in the shower. Okay. That's interesting. So, th as the story goes, Annie Lennox was in town on tour and couldn't decide what to wear on stage that night. She laid her two top favorite dresses out on the bed before showering, and when she returned, one of the dresses had been put away. One of the Driscoll's ghosts apparently decided to appoint themselves as stylist for that night. Yeah. So right. said, well, this one looks better. Oh, honey, don't wear that. No, no, that's, that's not going to work. Um, Johnette Napolitano. From Concrete Blonde. You know them? It, Come on. I know who they, like, of them, but I don't yeah. know, like, any specifics at all. Yeah. God, God is a bullet. Um, was that uh, Vampire in New Orleans? No, it's Bloodletting. I think Bloodletting was the name of their album that, uh, that I had. Um, the movie Pump Up the Volume, remember that with mm, Christian Slater? Yeah. They had a song in that. So uh, I'm I'm a little bit older than you. So I was uh when when they were kind of on the scene, it was you were still uh thinking about uh Smurfs and stuff. Probably, like yeah. I'd still think <laughs> about Smurfs, so I mean that's just <laughs> But anyway, uh so Johnette from Concrete Blonde wrote the song ghost of a Texas ladies man after a night of enduring his ghostly shenanigans. Huh? Now he's also been known to touch women on the arm or on the back, but it, it proves that he may be a little bit more romantic than scary. Hmm. So now, I always like those. I like if, if it's a, and, and, and it could be, it could be, you know, just a publicity thing, but, you know, heck, I never, I never heard it until I did this research. But for a celebrity to come out and go, "Hey, y'all, this is what happened to me," 
then again, it's it's somebody that may have something to lose. Right, right. Um, you know, oh my God, Annie Lennox, you know, thinks she saw a ghost or a ghost picked a dress out for her. So to come forward and say that, it 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 makes it seem a little bit more true to me. Yeah, someone who isn't known for things like that, you know, because there are some musicians and stuff that you might go, yeah, I'm not surprised they <laughs> said that or whatever, but other ones right. you're like, I didn't think they'd be into that kind of thing. So, yeah, if, if there are, the kind that you don't think they'd be into it and they come out and say it, you're you're like, oh, well, that's interesting. Yeah. Now, there are some that believe that the phantom smoke um, comes from a different source. In Monica Ballard's uh, book, True Haunted Tales of the Driscoll Hotel, she proposes uh, that the Driscoll once housed a tobacco shop in the lobby, which we already know. Right. And this could account for the hotel's paranormal phenomena. Now, the funny thing was, is when I read this, they didn't expound on it. So I, I couldn't tell if she was saying that the tobacco shop itself was why the odor would linger there. Um, I, I What I took it to mean was that there were a lot of men probably hung around the cigar shop and lounge Mm -hmm. and there was a lot of cigar smoking and Lord knows what else. A lot of tall tales, right? Things like that. But that the spirits of that activity may be producing the cigar smell could be, or maybe responsible for it, but it's, you know, it occurs randomly throughout the building Mm -hmm. which would make you think that whatever is causing it is moving yeah so i don't know i don't know it's it's interesting though it's it's interesting to consider either it being jesse driscoll or multiple spirits smoking cigars just like they did in the early 1900s yeah and you don't know what they actually meant by that um since they didn't expand on it but it's highly possible that it could be just the different spirits that, uh, you know, moving around in transit in the hotel, mm-hmm. causing that to happen. And, you know, cigar smoke is a very distinct odor. And if you're smelling it and you're in a hotel like the Driscoll that's non-smoking, mm-hmm. but you're nowhere near maybe an entrance where someone was smoking, it it is a little disconcerting because you shouldn't be smelling it. And if you were going to try to sneak a smoke while staying in the hotel, a cigar would not be your smoke of choice. No. At least it wouldn't have been mine. No. Uh, if I'm going to try to hide this, a cigar is probably the last thing I want to smoke. Yeah. Everybody around me is going to know. Yeah. The whole whole hotel is going to know you've got a cigar. <laughs> Now this uh now this story uh this is one that's told by Austin tour guides uh when they come to the Driscoll. And it it I think um I saw one where it was actually told by a tour guide at at the Driscoll Hotel. Um but this was this was really great. If you if you haven't done this before, 
and and maybe you're not a person that travels a lot, but you would sure would like to go on a haunted tour. You can find a lot of these tours on YouTube. You can go and somebody's actually videoed the tour or at least a portion of the tour and you can experience it in somewhat the same fashion. You know, it's different when you're actually there. Right. But you get to hear some amazing stories and in history about these these cities, these individual haunted locations. So if that's if that's your gig, if you really like that, and I do, then check them out because I I have seen I have seen haunted tour videos from just about every major city we've talked about from um, you know Austin. New Orleans, uh, uh, Charleston, South Carolina, you know, where, where you see multiple tours, go and check these things out. It's really interesting. And, and it may even prompt you to go, let's, let's go there. Let's visit Charleston. Let's go to New Orleans and, uh, see some of these places for ourselves. But as this story goes, it was told by, it was told by two guests, two female guests, two hotel staff, okay? Mm. In 1999, two women were visiting Austin for an arts festival. Now, while they were there, they decided that they would treat themselves and spend the night in the, quote, nicest place in town. That was the Driscoll Hotel. Upon checking in, the ladies found that the oldest part of the hotel was under renovation and that their room would be in the North Tower, which was built in 1930. Now, the ladies went out on the town, and when they returned to their room around 1 a.m., neither of them were very tired. So they decided that they were going to go exploring around the hotel. They left their room and headed south down the hallway, eventually finding themselves at the south end of the hotel. Now, this was where all the construction was going on. They noticed that there was a woman walking away from them down the hallway. The woman was loaded down with shopping bags as if she had just gotten back from some huge spending spree. Not a big deal other than it was really late and it appeared that the woman was staying in a part of the hotel that was being renovated and no guests were supposed to be there. The woman continued down the hallway, eventually turning and standing in front of room 427. The ladies watched and said the woman stood there as if she was wanting to go inside, but she didn't. So one of the ladies decided that maybe she should say something and asked, do you mind staying here with all this construction going on? The woman turned, looked at them and said, no, I don't mind at all. Now, the ladies reported that at that moment, they they felt a chill. There was an uneasy feeling that maybe they had offended this woman and, and that they should leave. The two ladies apologized to the woman and hurried back to their room where they stayed the rest of the night. The next morning, the two ladies reported their experience to the concierge. The concierge assured the ladies that no guests were staying on the south side of the hotel because the rooms were not ready. The ladies insisted 
that they saw this woman and that she was obviously staying in room 427. Seeing that the ladies were somewhat disturbed by their encounter, the concierge took the pair to room 427 and using his master key, opened the door. Inside, the lady saw that the room indeed was not finished. There was no bed, and the toilet had not even been installed yet. So there was no way anyone would have been booked to stay in that room. Okay? Hmm. It it wasn't just the construction around the outside. You're not going to get a hotel room that doesn't have a toilet. Okay? Right, right. An interesting story, but it doesn't end there. What the women did not know was the legend surrounding room 427 and an event that occurred in 1989, just 10 years before their stay. So apparently, according to the story, a young socialite from Houston was engaged to be married, but her fiance had other plans. So the fiance had called off the wedding and told her he didn't love her anymore. So as the story goes, the young socialite took her now former fiance's car and drove to Austin. And as stole, one is to stole do. His car. Yep. <laughs> stole his car and drove to Austin. Well, he deserved it. So <laughs> guys, just remember that. Yeah. You know, if 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 you're gonna break off an engagement, you you better know where your keys are. Yeah. <laughs> Now, she supposedly used his credit card and booked a five-night stay in the, quote, nicest place in town, which was the Driscoll. Sure. She was checked into the nicest room available, which was room 427. The last time she was seen alive was walking through the lobby, loaded down with shopping bags, having spent a reported $10,000 using the fiance's credit card. Holy cow. And some stories, they say the amount was closer to $40,000, but the the details are inconsistent Um, as far as how much money was spent. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, y'all. So if you've ever thought, you know, I would love to try one of the meal kit delivery services but they just seem so expensive and i don't know if it's worth it well matt and i have the thing for you you need to go check out every plate now every plate is owned by HelloFresh, and you've heard us talk about HelloFresh before you've also heard us talk about every plate before but every plate is america's best value meal kit and with fall in full swing getting weeknight dinners right is easier than ever with every plate being that they are America's best value meal kit, you can get your days jam-packed and still have time to make dinner with every plate, and you get it for 25% cheaper than grocery shopping. And with food prices at the grocery store going up, Matt and I can count on every plate being a great value every time, week after week. Oh, yeah. So, you know, fall is here. Everyone is looking for those fall flavors. We were just having a conversation about uh, it's it's soup weather. Oh, yeah. And, you know, seasonal flavors like white bean tomato stew, 
with feta and garlic toast oh. and turkey shepherd's pie topped with garlic mashed potatoes. I mean, that knocks it out of the park for fall. Oh, man. I love shepherd's pie. And when it's getting chilly, uh, not chilly like the food, but chilly like the air temperature. Uh, and, it, and I like chili like the food just yeah, as much. I like that too. Uh, <laughs> but there, there's something about shepherd's pie that just screams cooler weather. Absolutely. Absolutely. And every plate is the easiest way to get more bang for your buck, so to speak. You know, one meal from every plate is just $4.99. Buying groceries will cost you at least 25% more. You can choose from any of their options, including family-friendly, quick and easy, meat and veggie, and just veggie. Uh, Or you can try whatever you want, and you don't have to commit to just one preference. You get everything you need for the week delivered at the same time with sides, desserts, and ready-to-eat snacks to complement your weekly order, like Vanilla Delight Cheesecake sweet kale salad or garlic bread or protein bundles to boost it up a little bit on the on the keto scale you know whatever you want every plate has got it and amanda and i absolutely love it our kids love it they get so excited when they see that every plate box on the front porch because they know they're gonna get to help with the meal it's gonna be great and you know, we don't have to worry about dinner that night. Oh, I know. I know. It's great because, you know, like we were saying, with fall here, you've got sports happening. School has started back. There's school events in the evenings. So I know for Ashley and I, it's great because the box comes, we unpack everything, and then we know, okay, we've got three or four night meals here. We only have to come up with one. So it's amazing. We can prepare them in 25 to 35 minutes, get it on the, the plate, and then we can continue helping Michael with schoolwork. So it's it's great. So if you want to join Matt and I and our families in the Every Plate and the Best Value Meal Kit, all you've got to do to get your first box for just $1.49 is go to everyplate.com and enter our code GRAVEYARD149. That's G-R-A-V-E-Y-A-R-D-149. That's right. If you've wanted to try it, Every Plate is a great place to start. It's the most affordable meal kit out there. And you can get started for just $1.49 a meal on your first box by going to everyplate.com and entering our code GRAVEYARD149. The socialite went into the bar and ordered a Coke, sat at the bar, and drank it. She returned to her room and put out the Do Not Disturb sign. She emptied her bags around the room to just kind of admire all of her purchases. She then pulled out her most important purchase of the day, a new pistol. Uh. The young woman then took a pillow from the bed, laid in the bathtub, placed the pillow over her stomach to muffle the sound and shot herself. Oh, geez. Yeah. Now, no one apparently heard the gunshot partially due to the pillow, but also because old Jesse Driscoll 
had put 18-inch thick walls in his luxury hotel so that his guests could enjoy themselves without bothering or being bothered by other guests. Oh, wow. And the body wasn't found for three days. Yeah. Mm. The stomach is not a good place to do that. No. Oh, God. Absolutely not. It's, you know, this is... This is never the right move, but the the stomach is just going to be painful and drag out. Mm-hmm. Okay. I imagine she probably filled that bathtub with blood before probably. she died. So according to the tour guide, the two ladies who had visited Austin some 10 years after this incident just happened to be there on the exact same night. Oh, wow. Now, I, you know. Like I said, that's a great story. It is a great story. But did the events that led to the haunting actually happen? Well, believe it or not, yes, they did. But the details may have been a little embellished for the story. Sure. Police reports indicate that Tara, the Houston socialite, really wasn't much of a socialite. Instead of thousands that she charged to her fiance's card, Tara purchased beer, hard liquor, a carton of cigarettes, and a People magazine. She set herself up in her hotel room at the Driscoll and drank herself almost to death, then grabbed the newly purchased revolver. The police report claims that she would have certainly died from alcohol poisoning if she had not died from a self-inflicted gunshot. It's also important to mention that many articles say that this particular suicide event happened in room 525 that I discussed earlier, making that two bridal suicides in the exact same room. Oh, that's bound to cause something then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, But as I said, the story that the tour guide says specifically mentions room 427. Um, well, sometimes the details get lost. Sometimes they get fudged a little bit to make a good story. Doesn't necessarily mean that the haunting isn't real. Right. Because the woman carrying the shopping bags was obviously seen. Um, but the, as Adam said, sometimes you kind of, you piece things together to make the story fit the haunting. Mm-hmm. And and we've we've said that before. Other places look like, well, they they may have this haunting and it may be very active, but they may not have any history to explain it. So they make up the history or they assign it to a part of history that is maybe not really associated to that when you start hammering down the detail. Right. The the wrong event. Yeah. But, I mean, this is the Driscoll, and there's so much going on here. So many different stories, so many different experiences, um, that it, it's, it's a great old haunted hotel. Yeah. And right there in Austin, which is one of the coolest towns I've ever been to, um, you know, it, it really uh, stands out in, in so many ways. You know, it's old, it's luxurious, it's got, you know, fantastic architecture, and it's haunted. 
Why would you not want to go and visit the Driscoll if you were in Austin? No joke. Even if you didn't stay there. No joke. It, next time we're in Austin, we're probably going to swing by just to at least see it. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you guys think? I'm, I'm sure we've got, we've got plenty of listeners in Texas, and some of you may have been to the Driscoll. Some of you may live right there close by it or work close to it. What do you know about it? What are the stories that you hear? Maybe you've you've heard some that, that Adam and I didn't cover tonight. Let us know that. Mm-hmm. And the best place to do that is in our Facebook group. Um, you can go on Facebook, search Graveyard Tales. You'll find our group. It's the Graveyard, what, well over 6,000 members now. Um, it's one of the most active groups I've ever seen on Facebook. And you don't have to worry. If you've got a great experience and you want to you want to share it, then bring it on because no one's going to make fun of you. Right. You know, no one's going to call you a loony. We all just want to hear great personal ghost stories. I mean, there is nothing better. So come on and join us. And and when you're done doing that, you can check out our website, which is graveyardpodcast.com. And on our website, you can find links to purchase Graveyard Tales merchandise. You can listen to the show and you can become a patron. And we, we always want to thank everyone who has donated to the show. It really keeps us going. And over the last two weeks, it, it has been absolutely necessary so that uh-huh. we, can, we can keep the show rolling forward because we were just about at a standstill. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so thank you guys for that. Adam, do you have anything else to add about the Driscoll? I don't. I think we covered it well. Other than it's an awesome hotel, you should go check it out. Yeah, yeah. And until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon. Mm-hmm.